This is a short story of mine that was published about 20 years ago in a very small literary magazine. I don't think anyone besides the editor and myself read it. Uh, so here I am reading it now. It's called Burning Man. And like most fiction, it's has a lot of truth in it. So hope you like it. It's short. My grandfather came to New York in 1917, and he got a job. He worked all day and most of the nights, and he never learned English. In Russia, he had been a writer who wrote short stories and essays in Yiddish for the Kiev newspapers. But when he died, he had been a laborer in America for more than 30 years. My father, before he too died, told me that my hands were like my grandfather's. I left home when I was 14, and I had been gone a long time. When I came to visit my dying father, he took my hand, and he held it until I became uncomfortable. I pulled my hand from his grasp. I was 22 then, and tough like loneliness. I mean, no one was helping me, and I didn't trust anyone. All those years me working pointless jobs on highway crews or in the western oil fields, any place where the pay would be in cash so I could just keep moving. I never thought about where I may have come from. So, when I get my hand away from my father, he starts talking. It was all chance that I had called him at all, since I hadn't talked to him once since leaving home, and when I called... I found out how sick he was. So that is how I found out about my grandfather, found out that he had been a storyteller, found out how tough he had been, leaving Russia, leaving his language and words, and coming to America with his one-year-old child, my father, and raising my father alone in that city. He raised him alone because my grandmother had been killed in a pogrom. Those things in Russia were the czars, Cossacks, the military police who wore beautiful uniforms of black wool with red trim, those Cossacks who drank potato vodka and then smashed the bottles on the stone streets, those Cossacks who mounted their beautiful horses and drew their beautiful swords and then galloped through the Jewish quarters, killing everyone who was on the streets. I gasp a bit as my father tells me this story of his father, the story of my grandfather. I heard all the other details, and I remember all the details, but it hurts my hand now to write about such sadness. It is enough that I tell you this. I have inherited my grandfather's hands and his love of telling stories. But here... In America, in my country, my language is English, and I am not so tough as the people I have come from. I met a woman today, a woman from another country, who I know almost nothing about. We were walking together, her and I, in the desert. She was carrying a paper umbrella, and I was pushing a bicycle. She told me she worked for a while, taking care of someone, another woman, who was disabled. The disabled woman could only move one hand and nothing else. She moved her hand just the amount needed to control a wheelchair. 
She needed help for everything. She needed to be lifted to and from the bed, to the chair, and to her baths. But she could talk, and she could laugh. And this person who I met today, this woman from another country, she says to me that the woman in the wheelchair is tough and good and happy. She even has a sex life, my friend who I just met tells me. Imagine not being able to move, but being able to think clearly and feel clearly. And I'm glad she has a boyfriend, and I'm glad she is happy. This friend who I've just met, she and I are walking past hundreds of people who are just waking up. The night before, last night, I couldn't sleep, so I walked over to where the fires were. A sculpture of a heart was burning. Twenty feet tall, flames going into the sky, the iron of the sculpture glowing hot orange. I walked behind this heart to where a door was open and where a crowd was throwing logs into the fire. I threw a log in, too, and I watched the sparks jump. I saw that heart, my friend says, who I just met. I, too, threw wood in there. I, too, watched the sparks. This young woman then tells me that she has no skills that she feels strong with. But she tells me she's working on making a film about her ancestors. It will be a trilogy, she says, of life in San Francisco, life in South Africa, and life in Hong Kong, where I was born. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm doing it anyway. And then she laughs. And this friend of mine who says she has no skills then tells me of the four languages she speaks. And she tells me about a car that she owns that was impounded because it collected too many parking tickets. She laughs again and says that all her savings were then spent on parking tickets. And then she says she has no permits to work anywhere and no permits to be living in any country, no paper to be anywhere. And then she tells me about the woman in the wheelchair, the woman who thinks and feels and who needs to be lifted to and from her bed and her chair. And she tells me she is doing this for her. Then she says, I don't think it's so bad not being allowed to be anywhere as long as I am helping others. I don't think it's so bad. I will get along. I will be okay, she says. My father, who drove me out of his house because of his own sorrows, has let go of my hand and has started talking about my grandfather. We do what we do to survive, my father is saying. We make a lot of mistakes trying to survive. He tells me then about the Cossacks. He tells me about being alone all day as a small child when my grandfather was working. He keeps talking, and I reach over, and I hold his soft hand. And I promise him that I don't say the words out loud. I promise him that I will be the one in this country who will do more than just survive. I shudder then, feeling the generations of ghosts who seem to be near, and I promise to be tough enough to simply be happy, to go beyond food and water and shelter, to get away from hard labor, 
to get to a place of laughter. This young woman from the other country, from Hong Kong, she says goodbye to me and walks to the left, and I walk to the right, away from the crowds and out here where there is just desert. But I stop and I look back. And she has stopped too. We are far away from each other, but still close enough to see each other's arms as we wave. I wave goodbye to this tough, skilled girl who will go on and do everything she dreams of. I think this because she already understands pointless things like parking tickets and work without permits and how to get into Burning Man by hiding in the trunk of a car. She has reminded me of the tough people I have come from and, at the same time, the laughter that is now close by. So I sit down and I write these words for you. You've just listened to Burning Man, a Montana voice podcast. Words by me, Steve Sorrell.